Welcome back to the Turner Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Ethan Diver. With me, as always, is Kevin Heck. How's it going? Uh, John Gibson. Howdy. And our special guest today is a special projects manager, John Heck. Yes, John, sir. How are the people? Hello. How's everybody? Good, good, good. Um, so, uh, yes, for the three listeners we have, Kevin and John are related. Although, <laughs> thank God, Kevin does not look like his dad. Uh, man. So, that's, deba- that's, um, debatable. that's debatable by some folks, by the way. Hey. If you see old pictures of them, uh, you could tell that they are related. That's very true. <laughs> yes, but, I'm keeping my mouth shut. I will get even. Yeah. We, we, you know, you, this, is, this is a public domain, John, so, you know. We can't, uh, we can't get too colorful here. <laughs> so we asked John to be on, um, you know, with the recent weather um, circumstances, um, we thought we should dedicate an episode to the weather and resources, uh, predicting weather and um, those sort of things. So um, that's, John has always been kind of the person that I went to when it came to forecast models and different things of that nature, um, he's always had a, a keen eye for weather and weather-related sources. So uh, we thought, well, why don't we bring our resident expert on and have him talk to us? So, well, before um, before we we get started, Ethan, why don't we have him in officially introduce himself? Yes, yeah, I'm sorry, John. Why don't and, you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I am a charter member for this company crop quest um, we'll try not to hold that against you you're a wonderful <laughs> man i am starting my 40th year doing this type of work so um it's been a day or two so we can uh, call you a gray hair right we no, call him a no hair <laughs> no when it, when it comes to to databases i am a database i have seen <laughs> but no, he I operate uh, on a little less RAM than we'd like our databases to run on. But you know. ooh, ooh, we, we better just stop there. It's, <laughs> it's just the recalls getting a little fuzzy, you know. Yeah. No, I, so, uh, I, I, I spent almost twenty years in Great Bend, Kansas, um, working in the field and as a manager, and then uh, uh, the company, in their infinite wisdom, uh, asked me to move to Farmington, New Mexico. So uh, the family and I spent almost 10 years out there uh, doing different projects, helping develop different areas. And, um, oh, I guess it was about 2007 that we moved back into the Wichita area. And I still take care of long-range projects. Um, I kind of help mentor a project in Roswell. I help mentor a project in South Texas that Ethan knows a little bit about. And uh, at the end of April, I'm making another trip to Russia. We have a, I have an account in Russia that I'm working with now. So uh, a lot of my work is done long distance now. So Yeah, he's going to collude with the Russians. No investigation <laughs> needed. There you go. Collude with, collude me, with uh, me and soil fertility. Me and Putin. <laughs> yeah, with uh, soil fertility and variety selections and uh, uh, good nature things that help uh, spread the wealth of agriculture knowledge. 
There you go. There you go. So, well, um, yeah. So, you know, John has uh, been a, a big part of um, the beginning of my career. So, this is kind of cool to expose other people to some of the stuff that he's taught me already. So, uh, Kevin, do you want to, do you have any questions to get the ball rolling? Well, you know, um, as we've kind of told our audience, you know, that uh, John has a, a lot of his his uh, business is done remotely. And uh, let's just go jump right into, you know, um, maybe the type of um, weather data you use and, and maybe how, how you use it. Um, I know that's pretty broad, but let's start down that path and we'll kind of focus it in as we go okay i yeah i i figured i thought maybe we'd go down this one first is is that uh, weather is is such a big part of of what we do it's so unpredictable um i've told a lot of people that as a grower as a consultant whatever uh you can do everything right and mother nature plays the final card um because of that, it, it, it's, it's, it's so much a part of what we do. You want to start a conversation with a grower, all you got to do is talk about the weather, you know, and, and you can talk for 10, 15 minutes. So weather, prediction of weather, understanding what's coming, um, it's become big business. Uh, people are trying to predict weather, trying to help folks understand and know what's coming along. And we're no different. Um, you think about all the dollars that are involved in a production year, uh, all the information that you can get your hands on uh, about weather helps you to uh, get through that year and figure out what's going on and everything like that. So there's a lot of companies out there that supply weather data. Uh, we happen to be involved with a company by the name of Planalytics. Uh, they are based on the East Coast but they do a lot of weather prediction for uh, whether it's hardware companies, trucking companies, whatever, but they also work with agricultural people also, uh, helping them take a look and uh, they make predictions as to what the weather, uh, they think the weather's gonna be doing, uh, not only this next week, two weeks, but they actually go out seven, eight, nine months in front trying to help people, uh, guide people as to what they think the weather patterns are going to be doing. So. Well, and some of this gets used for uh, marketing purposes, correct? For instance, uh, if we want to say snow shovels, if they know oh, yeah. the snow is going to come in, well, then now the, the uh, appliance store or whatever, Lowe's, Home Depot, any of those, um, now they have a, a reason to order a massive amount of certain things, whether it be snow shovels or whatever. Absolutely. And you go to trucking companies, you know, uh, big weather events coming in different areas. It, it helps for a trucking company maybe to reroute their trucks around mm -hmm. some of this weather, snowstorms, things like that. So, yeah, the, the, the weather's used in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, you, and you were talking just a minute ago about uh, prediction. Um, the, the, I saw a couple of slides the other day. I mean, the, the weather has impacts. I, I guess that's what I was going to get at. Um, I saw a couple of slides yes, this week, one of them showing that 55% uh, of the 2018 corn acres 
in this country are under moderate to heavy chances of seeing flooding this year. Wow. 60% of 2018 soybean acres are under uh, the threat of moderate to heavy flooding. Now, just think about what kind of information that that is. I mean, what you can do with that kind of stuff. Um, I was rather surprised when I saw that, but just looking at some uh, maps of the U.S., you know, the Mississippi is already full. It's flooding. The Missouri River, uh, it's running high. It's flooding. You've got in excess of 100% snowpack in the mountains. Um, you know, the, these are this is this is information that helps people make decisions as, as to what they're going to be doing this this next crop year. Yeah, and you know, you go ahead. You you mentioned the percentage of the farm ground, soybean ground that's under potential flood watch um, for this next growing season. How does that compare to, you know, like 2011 or 12, um, where we had a lot of flooding through the I states, and um, you know that was a a big contributor to you know, the high corn prices we were able to see during that time frame. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, every, every, year's, every year's different, John. Um, I had a grower tell me once, he says, you don't get one year experience. You don't get 20 years experience farming. You get one year experience 20 times. And, and so what these weather people do is they, they'll take a year and, and take a look at what's going on, and then they will compare it to years that look similar or analog years and they try to base predictions on that so you know you go back to to what you're saying back in 2011 or 12 i can't i can't remember but this year uh from what i have seen so far seems to be a lot worse we've got so much snowpack up in minnesota wisconsin and uh since october we we've, we've been pretty much wet you know, through the middle part of the country. The eastern Corn Belt is about the only area that has not been wet. And uh, when you take all of that combined with <clears throat> the snowpack that we had up to about two or three weeks ago, all of a sudden it gets warm. We get a rainfall event on top of this snow. We drop the, the barometric pressure 24 millibars in 24 hours, and all of a sudden all this water and the snow starts melting and the ice starts moving, and, and that's what's caused the flooding. Uh, the, the, the soils now, they're saturated, and when you take a look at the, the short-term forecast, the next two to three weeks, they're not talking about a lot of let-up as far as moisture. And you look forward, and they're still uh, talking ab above normal rainfall in, in, in many areas. So, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to impact the people that uh, have to work ground and plant crops. So kind of the basis behind my question was I wanted to get at the you know, potential market impacts that that could have. You know, if we have that same kind of impact as we did, you know, um, you know, six, seven years ago, do you, do you think, you know, our guys using this kind of weather data for, for looking that far out on how we could see some potential uh, market increases? Absolutely. You, I kind of, I kind of skirted that. I, I kind of thought that's where you were going, but yeah, I, uh, I, I've talked about this slide to a couple of people already, and it has impacted um, 
some of their marketing strategy uh, to a small extent, their, their crop acreage. You know, uh, up till a few weeks ago, the corn price didn't look like it was going to move very much this year because of, of the potential plantings. Uh, soybeans actually looked a little bit better, but I, I think based on what's been happening recently, that that it could very easily be shifting around. And, and yeah, there's there's going to be opportunities there. I think, uh, depending on what happens going forward. Well, and you know the the trouble is, it's easy for us to look at this at a local basis here in the U.S., but you know we're by far more global than we ever have too. So. Oh yeah, I think even more so than seven, eight years ago, six years yeah. ago when we were having the ice bait flooding. You know how how much more of a, a player is Brazil and mm-hmm. and the other South American territories? Absolutely. But, you know the, this this Planalytics uh, company that we work with now. Uh, I, I listen to some of their briefings, and uh, you know, in, in in they're always you know we're talking a little bit about. South American weather, Australian weather, for that very reason, Ethan, uh, we're a global economy now, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I think, yeah, and we're, we're more, every, every time we think we're a global economy, it seems to get a little more global. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, especially with, you know, trade deals changing, you know, oh, yeah. and how that shakes out, you know, um, whether that's good or bad or whatever, whoever's. You support politically, it's, it, it's different than it was before, so it's a new game to play. So, um, Absolutely, absolutely. So um, why, don't we go, why don't we go into a little more maybe how you use it. Well, let's use, for instance, the, the project out in Colorado that you have and maybe yeah. how you use, utilize some of this data um, on an agronomy basis. Um, as an example, a year ago, that most of the Midwest mountain mountain range west of the Rockies, we were all in a drought. We had, we went through an extremely dry winter. Came into the spring, and the amount of runoff uh, was was non-existent. Uh, the account that I work with out in the mountains or on the west side of the Rockies, all of their water is determined by snowmelt. The amount of snow that they get in the mountains is uh, directly correlated to how much water they have to irrigate with. So when you don't have the snowpack, you don't have the water to irrigate the crops. We ended up fallowing 3,000 acres of land last year. Um, so This is all land that has pivots over it that is normally going to be irrigated. That is correct. That is correct. There just was no water. So you start watching the uh, weather forecast, you know, the long range forecast. Are they looking at getting more snow in the mountains in 2018, 19? Uh, the, the, the predictions seem to indicate that. And as we went through the winter, uh, yeah, we got a lot of snow. Uh, at this point, you see most of the Rockies and up into Northern California, Washington, places like that, uh, the snowpack is in, in excess of 100%. Uh, the Rockies, they've got avalanche warnings all over the place. Um, this farm that I work with out there in, in, you know, in Cortez, Colorado, um, a year ago, they got 48% of their water allocation. This year, 
not only are they going to get 100% of their allocation, but the reservoir is going to have to have an operational spill Memorial Day weekend because the reservoir can't hold all the snowmelt that's coming down. Dramatic change. Wow. But what what this tells me is now we're going to ramp up. We are going to we are going to grow 7,500 acres worth of crops this year because that's how many how many irrigated acres they have. And so now you you, you begin to order seed, you order fertilizer, all your inputs. We know what's coming, so you have to get ready for it. And 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 I guess that's how you know we try to use that weather. You know, uh, I guess getting a little more focused. Um, so you would say that sometimes this this also aids in your, um, I know, kind of your fallow acre, if you will. You know, because you're 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 trying to look at this stuff, and you're what four hundred miles away, trying to make decisions on on where you're going to plant or how much or um, oh, yeah. that kind of thing, also. Oh yeah, and and even locally, Kevin, um, growers that I work with locally, we start looking at some of the long-range forecasts, and some of their acreages are dictated by, you know, the the, the potential. Is it going to be dry? Is it going to be wet? Um, you know, it can have an impact on on populations of corn. Uh, I have some guys that use like to use this weather prediction as far as their cutting schedule for alfalfa forages things like that can have an impact there also um yeah so so anything that weather impacts rather than having a two or three day look at what's coming if you can look one week out 30 days out three months out i think it helps you make better decisions yeah it's pretty interesting i know that um i've had some farmers that use different um, companies other than you know let's say planalytics um, and it's always interesting to see what their long-range forecast is and you know some of them do differ from one to the other I guess depending on what uh, model if you will oh yeah I, in, in fact I think I think what you find is most all these people are getting their base data from NOAA mm -hmm. and um, you know it's, it's just how they process it uh, Planalytics, uh, one of the things that they do is they have a lot of meteorologists on board that are old Air Force retirees. Air Force uses this quite a bit. Um, you know, you got Climate Corp, you've got other people that do a lot of this kind of stuff also. And it, it's just what they use to predict. Again, I, I go back to what I said about those analog years. Um, they take a look at what's going on. And they choose analog years, things that most mimic what we're seeing now, and then they make their predictions. So other companies may be using different types of analog years or things like that that, that may adjust those predictions a little bit. Uh, but but yeah, basically it's all it's all coming out of nowhere. Yeah. It's just is you there know, anything? Say, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, Kevin. Go ahead. Well, I said it, I was going to say it's a little interesting because you come from, like, if you step back and look at a millennial type of view where we all pull out our cell phones and look at the Weather Channel app or my radar or whatever you want to use, you know, uh, it's it's usually uh, it's kind of funny. The joke is it's an average of three or four apps before you get <laughs> get what's actually going to happen or going to 
you know, because yeah. we all know you watch the news and, and they can be off. Uh, they predict predict weather, you know, that's a week out and, you know, we have an 80% chance and by the time that it gets there, it may be only 10. I, yeah, it, it all comes back to, uh, to database. It all comes back to the amount of information that they've got. Um, what's really interesting is I was talking to a weather person all within the last several months and uh, the next thing <clears throat> that they're talking about doing is maybe taking Joe Farmer and putting a, a mini weather station on his tractor, okay? Collecting data. And you start thinking about that, if they put those on lots of tractors all over the country and all these people are collecting weather data, look at the weather database that you're going to accumulate in a short amount of time, what that might do to the accuracy of weather prediction it would scare you <laughs> yeah it would yeah what's um, why are the, i don't know why this is bothering me but why i put it on a tractor because right now you're collecting data from satellites and images and stuff and it, it, you have a you have a pathway to communicate built in the tractor already exactly exactly that makes sense. Well, and plus, yeah. you think about it, Ethan, if a tractor is moving around in a field and it may be able to predict drops and stuff and pr predict where severe weather fronts are going to be, too, if, if everyone's yeah. act active, actively out in the field. Yeah. You know, a tractor's cost so much now. If you could make it a weather station and subsidize <laughs> your payment, it'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, that's your head, Ethan. Yeah, hey, yeah. Mr. We uh, you know, weather Service XYZ, you can uh, put a <laughs> make my tractor a weather station for X amount of dollars. So I can upgrade, yeah, right. you, know. you know what's going to happen? They're going to go to crank the the starter on the thing. Nope, it can't start because the weather's not coming in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, 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 it's really intriguing to me when, when I start looking at all the things that impact weather. You start looking at some of these podcasts, or not podcasts, but these webinars that they have. And, you know, they're looking at the temperature of the water in the equators that impact El Ninas, La Ninas. Um, they're looking at uh, uh, oscillation of, of the highs and the lows around the, the north and the south pole. And he just it's just fascinating to me how all these things impact the weather that we have in Dodge City, Kansas, or Uvalde, Texas, or someplace like that, you know, and, and, and to me, being able to tie local data off a tractor, for instance, back into some of these bigger models, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting to, to see where this thing might be going. I think the correct term is blow your mind. Because yeah. Yeah, the bad well, thing about having a weather station on your tractor is it only benefits the person up or you know downwind from you because yeah, yeah. it's correcting at you. True. You're True. kind of like the sentinel plot yeah. of that weather service, but if you have them everywhere, it doesn't you know as long as you're not the first one to get hit. You know, I mean that would be really intriguing. What made me think of that is I use some of these services that John's talking about to help myself with uh, disease scouting. You know, I'm in a unique part of Texas where I can get storms from the Gulf. I can get storms, if they're big enough, uh, from the Pacific. They'll hit Baja, jump across Mexico. And if they're big enough, they'll come uh, to Texas. And uh, at least our portion of Texas is Thunderhead. They're not a bad storm, but you'll get 
some disease. You get different diseases from that flush. You'll get different diseases if it comes from the uh, Caribbean and through the Gulf. And then, of course, different diseases um, if it comes from the north. So we kind of have three pathways of weather we can experience. So I, I and, you know, like I said, you know, we have a variety of crops and higher humidity and a little more uh, a little more climate that's conducive to disease uh, procreation. So uh, I, I like the, these weather models for that. It kind of, I kind of know which diseases will blow up sooner, faster, you know, um, with the, when, when the weather comes out of a different direction. So it's kind of nice to know that. Um, if nothing else, just kind of warn the farmer, hey, we've got something coming out of the Caribbean. You know, we're going to, the next three weeks, you may have to worry about roasting your peanuts. You know, something as simple as that, just to kind of pre-warn somebody, is goes a long way. You know, Ethan, from my standpoint in Kansas, all bad things come from Texas, right? Amen. Yeah. You know, you know, Easy. Yeah, yeah. It all stems from our bitterness of not being in the country anymore, you know. Oh, you're going to go down that rat hole, huh? Yeah. But, yeah. but you know, to be honest, Ethan, in, in our company, the South Texas group, you guys are actually our sentinel plot. Yeah, we are. We exactly. should have been called you the really sentinel are. plot division. Because... Yeah. Because, you know, when you guys recently had a, a stripe rust explosion in your wheat and you start, I, I started asking people, the weather people, okay, what are the wind currents like? Because you know that your aphid populations, your disease populations, they're coming north, you know. Um, the other thing I was thinking about was uh, the weather. What was it last winter when you were, we were talking about the dust clouds coming out of Africa, uh, coming, to, yeah, coming yeah. to Texas? That was like in July, June or so. Yeah, I, 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 that just intrigued. I was me. I I had cotton, so I have this one particular field that is a little higher in elevation. It's kind of on the uh, on an escarpment, and um, I for some I know it was I had cotton on it. The cotton was I remember walking through waist high cotton in the dust cloud, having this conversation with you. So I know it had to at least been late summer because it wasn't defoliated yet. I don't think um, when it came. Yeah, it was, we there was a bunch of dust clouds from the the I guess what is that the Sahara Desert I guess over there. That yeah, blew over. Yeah, yeah. that was amazing. Thinking yeah, thinking of that, like even the fires in California last year were you know riding the jet stream and we were getting smoke haze from from california that were affecting our satellite images yeah absolutely i never i never thought about that john uh, yeah you know the weather affecting the quality of images that that we get when we use the imagery with uh with our growers huh yeah yeah, yeah. look yeah. look at there john found him a way to weasel in satellite images. <laughs> oh man <laughs> uh, you're welcome <laughs> that's yeah. what i'm here for <laughs> yeah yeah when we're sitting here worried about cotton and dust you always you always keep us on our toes i appreciate you john <laughs> no matter what i think but you know something, something else that I, that I thought about just a little bit ago was uh, cotton you know especially as you bring the cotton north up into northern oklahoma southern kansas uh growing degree units are everything and and predicting 
uh, the heat, the weather, the, the number of growing degree units that we are going to receive uh, can have a real impact on, you know, the cotton crop and the decisions that you might be making. Yeah, there was a fair amount of stuff that was nearly unharvestable in Kansas because of that reason, because of the wet, cool weather that came in and some of it worked out and some of it didn't. Right, right. With cotton in your northern areas like that, I mean, you're talking hours planting difference could mean for sure substantial yield. For sure. Yeah, since you have an excess of heat units down there, right? We actually have too much, too many. We have uh, we have so much heat that the cotton becomes a little inefficient from it at times. So. It's a little too hot in the evening for it. It needs to respire in it. From my, pers- from my perspective, South Texas should be quarantined in August. <laughs> I, you know, uh, once upon a time, I worked a little bit in Montezuma. And, uh, the former manager there, I told him, I said, you know, the only two things that would scare me out of the state of Texas are called July and August. <laughs> 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 They're pretty miserable down here. But. So let's let's go down a little different path, and we'll just see where it goes. Um, so we've talked about long range stuff, right? So with with this, I mean, we're we're picking on planalytics because that's what we know. But um, how accurate do you think their short term stuff is on maybe their daily forecasting stuff in comparison to maybe the stuff we get on apps? You know if you can draw a comparison um, to some of that. The the Planalytics people will tell you that they feel comfortable at a 70% accuracy. Okay. Um, They're willing to predict, you know, six, seven, eight months out, but they know that there's flaws in in what they do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Personally, I think that when you're looking one week, two to three days. I, I still think that your local stuff is probably as good, if not better, than than, than anything. It, it's when you start getting a couple of weeks out, that's when I start looking harder at some of their models and things like that. Um, so what you said before, I think, is right, Kevin. Um, use a couple of, you know, I use a couple of different sources, but... Um, these folks here, I, I, I just like looking at the long range stuff because mm-hmm. um, they're, I, I, I think they, my personal opinion is, I think they do a little better job. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I know they're fairly close. Um, I know here in Southwest Kansas, sometimes the local stuff is far off, but we're goofy. Because if I don't see yellow on the radar, we're not going to get, we're not getting any rain. So. Right, 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 <laughs> you know? right. You know, you know, I alluded to That's my no brief joke. time. By my brief time in Southwest Kansas, and I learned an, uh, a trip, uh, a trick for weather prediction when I was a, a Boy Scout as a young child. And I found this. I had one of these when I lived in Southwest Kansas, and I it's called a weather rock. And I found this extremely accurate. So you uh, you lash some posts together and hang a rock, about five pounds, um, and you have a sign next to it. And, you know, it says, you know, if, if rock is wet, it's raining. <laughs> if, if, rock, if rock is spinning in that circular motion, you have a tornado. If rock has disappeared, you need to go 
into tornado shelters, you know, <laughs> simple things like that. And I found that to be the most accurate form of weather prediction in Southwest Kansas on a uh, short this, term, a short term. Did uh, it have to know. be a five pound rock, Ethan? No, anything just, you know, something of similar size, about, you know, some something between the size of a potato and a football, you know, whatever you can find. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty, pretty wide range there, dude. No. Yeah, you know. <laughs> the, the one that I always saw was, was taking about a four foot length of log chain and tying it to a post. <laughs> the amount, you know, the amount of, of horizontal angle that that chain has determines what kind of weather pattern it's receiving, right? You know, yours would probably be more accurate. That's almost how they used to measure uh, ship speed with knots and rope and things. So, you know, interesting. But anyway. Uh, that's so, very scientific. Yeah, you know, rocks and chains and rope and, and uh, yeah, it's, it's quite accurate. Um, so, John and, and Kevin, too, what what do you use uh, for short term? I mean, just for your day, like when you wake up in the morning uh, and you're trying to determine how the day is going to go, what, what is your go-to source of weather in that situation? I guess I can go first. I probably look at our local weather station and it comes out of Wichita. Um, so it's not real local, if you will. But uh, I look at that and then after that, it's a couple of different apps, you know, and it's just bouncing to see what, what might happen. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I guess what I do is, is I'm like Kevin. I, I look at the local stuff and then the, as you know, the planalytics people, they put out data every day. Now, I don't, I don't send that out every day, but I, I look at their stuff and, and I compare the two. Um, if if both of them are you know diametrically opposed then you know you really don't know what's going to happen but i'll tell you what if they're both in agreement that something's coming then you better you better yeah. be looking out so again you know for short term stuff that that's what i do yeah it cracks me up you know my dad still when he comes into town um still wants to watch the weather every morning and he has an iPhone. Try to tell him, Dad, you know, we could have this at your fingertips at any minute of the day. You could be entertained or something else. Because you know? I'm like you, Kevin, you know. Uh, I, I love Planalytics for long-term stuff. You know, they, um, you know, John said they advertise, what, around 70% accuracy. I would yeah. say they're better than that. I mean, there's times where, like every weatherman, they're wrong. But, um for long-term stuff, I do enjoy using them, um, and I have a gamut of applications that I like to go through. But you know, really, I feel like I have to do that so we have the right coffee shop talk. Because it seems like, like you said, <laughs> Dad, that <laughs> you go to on somebody's farm. Sometimes you feel like you're repeating yourself all the time because it's it's always like, hey, how's the weather? What <laughs> what do you think? It's like no. they're probing they're probing you for information, and you're like, well, I don't know. This is what I <laughs> No, absolutely. You know, when you when that's one of the first things we teach employees is you got to be able to communicate well. You got to find some commonality. So you either talk about crops, livestock, or weather. One of the three. Yeah. yeah. You know, if, you know, if you start talking about politics, you're going to be there more than oh, more than an hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That gets yeah. serious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When you talk about a commonality, you know, whether you're talking about 
you know, somebody in Colorado or North Dakota or whatever, everybody wants to know what the weather's doing where you're at. And they all, you can all bond together with that topic. You know, let's, let's switch Good, gears. Bad or ugly. Let's switch gears really wild, John Gibson. Um, let's, let's, do you, do you ever look at, um, you know, weather patterns and stuff from the planalytics and, and kind of correlate that to the images that, that we're going to receive at CropQuest? Uh, short answer is no. <laughs> uh, why don't you, John? <laughs> the light bulb well, just went off. Um, you know, we have such a wide-ranging territory. I mean, weather events don't necessarily correlate with clouds. And since clouds are like the main deterrent for what, you know, blocks our images or, you know, causes a... Uh, a lack of quality there. Um, you know, you can have what I call popcorn clouds, not a scientific term or anything, but you know, just these little cumulus clouds that are that pop up late afternoon. Um, so you you had and, the, you had you had the terminology in you. You just didn't use it, John. I know. I, <laughs> I like to keep lack, very lack simplistic. Of <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry, I derailed that. Yeah, but. You know those those don't necessarily correlate with your weather. Um, basically, it just pisses you off because you think, well, we're just you know all these clouds are building up over us, and then it's going to rain somewhere east of us. So, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know. So yeah, that's kind of the long answer of it. But no, I don't. I don't typically look at it. Um, if I was to look at everybody's weather and try to guess. And tell them, hey, you're going to have good images or bad images. I would be, I'd be even more off than, than the weather guys, just because I couldn't guess. The, That's pretty par for the course for you, John. So, <laughs> hey, at least I'm I'm not too big to say that I can be wrong. <laughs> hey, hey! I'm told several times a day by several different people that I'm wrong. There's no ego here. <laughs> I, I'm in the same boat with you. Don't don't worry, buddy. <laughs> yeah, but well, you know, one, so one other, I, I was just going to make one other comment real quick. Was I just was thinking that uh, you know we, we were sitting here talking about the weather and all, but uh, this prediction, um, it not only Planalytics but other people are talking about the the type of severe weather we're going to have this spring, mm -hmm. and uh, you know that that really does have an impact. You know, they're talking about. Uh, more activity than we've seen than average. Um, so what does that do for you? Does that tend to make you want to take out hail insurance on your crops? Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So so yeah. not only just the weather, but my comment was, you know, even severe weather, you know, prediction of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, I've seen quite a bit of conversation about that on Twitter where guys have have talked about that and not necessarily taking out hail insurance, but just, you know, in years where they've had so much rain in, in March or, you know, before April, um, how bad the, their hail season was and stuff. So that's a very valid point. Well, you know, in, in certain areas like Southwest Kansas, it's very regular with our environment. When we get a rainstorm, we get hail. Um, and and I'm sure that's that that's the case in other areas that they know if the, if the 
rains and stuff are coming, you got to take the good with the bad. Well, I know for an example, I think that they were telling us that last year in the U.S., I think we had only 75% of the normal tornadoes that you normally, you know, document. And, and so they're saying this year, you know, we're going to be above that, whether it's normal, whether it's above normal. But, you know, I've seen some severe weather maps uh, for the state of Kansas, as an example. And uh, look out May, you know. Uh, they've got the whole state of Kansas. So, you know, that, that kind of information can, can uh, I don't want to say, be useful. Not that you can change it. You can't. But, but it, it just helps you be aware of what's going on. Just out yeah. of curiosity, John, what did, what did you do? You, you talked about being a charter member. What did you do 30, 40 years ago? Uh, what were your methods of predicting weather? And, I mean, did you just have a weather rock? Or? Yeah, you know that log chain we were talking about? Yeah. <laughs> that, was the, that was the best you could do? Or? Well, that's about, that's about all you could do. <coughs> you know, the, the, the prediction methods were not uh, near what they are now. And uh, so you just did what you could. Um, you used the information that you had, and, and you, just, you just went with it. Um, there's so many more satellites up and up, up in the sky, up in space now. The the the, the methods that we have now uh, of predicting weather are so much better. Um, you know, you just you just did what you could. Um, Do you find that the amount of information now is helpful compared to how you had to plan things out 30, 40 years ago, or is it cumbersome or um, you know, no, I, I, uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago, uh, you just, when, when you thought you could go to the field, you just went to the field and, and what happened happened. Um, the weather accuracy, I don't think was at the point to where it would impact or change what you were doing like it does now, like it can now. Um, uh, I don't find it cumbersome. Uh, I, I, I look at it. Maybe I don't spend as much, you know, if, I, if I've got other stuff going on, I won't look at the weather quite as much. But I've got a general idea in my head of what's going on. Uh, Forty years ago, you just keep looking to the west. If you start seeing thunderheads boiling up about 2 o'clock, you know, by 5 or 6 o'clock that uh, you might be wet. You know, Ethan, that brings up an interesting point because I know some of what I'm going to call old-timers, you know, maybe two generations ago you Careful. always hear them and their uh their wives tales i guess you know if a certain tree has start to get leaves or loses leaves early you know they, they kind of went more on that you know i visiting with farmers oh yeah that, that comes up in conversation a lot like oh well, yeah I, this, this flies a, out or whatever you know yeah what well, color are the wood bears yeah i mean and what's sad is I do that a lot, and I have a customer of mine that's in his early 30s, and he is always coming up with something. And where did this come from? And I don't ever question him because he's always right. <laughs> this this week he told me it thundered on February 13th. That means it's going to be cold in April. Seriously, too cold for cotton. Yes. <laughs> I mean, just simple things like that. And 
I don't question them anymore because <laughs> they're they're far more accurate than anything that I have on my phone. I mean, well, it's like what what we always say is when pecan trees and mesquite trees bud out, when both of them bud out, they won't lie together. Oh. So they don't lie to you. Very rarely will a pecan tree lie to you. Sometimes a mesquite tree will lie to you, but when both are out, they'll never lie. No, 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 no. So, so how there, much? How many of your farmers come back at you with the latest issue, the Farmer's Almanac? Not very many. That I have oh, not had. Really? Not very I, many. Well, Benjamin Franklin was one of your original customers. <laughs> so, oh. Right. Oh. <laughs> oh. You know, I just bit my tongue just for you. <laughs> no, you, you you did that so we can still make this public and not have to scrap all this stuff. <laughs> and I appreciate hey, that very much. I, I could speak Russian, so, but I won't. John, so how many of your customers back 30, 40 years ago um, used to work through the night saying, you know, it's going to rain tomorrow versus what they do now when, when our predictions are much better? Do you see a trend, a difference from back when you first started to how it is now? I, I think that's a, that's a tricky question, John. Ask and me again. He, he's asking, so, you know, you, the farmers you had when you first started, right. if they knew rain was going to come in, you know, they just flat start getting after it and work through the night to get through it versus maybe how some guys won't even turn a wheel if they know it's going to get get wet the 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 other the other variable you got to think about here john is is uh farming practices in general uh auto steer was not here 30 40 years ago these guys would run till about 10 o'clock at night and that's physically about all they could handle because they were steering that tractor they got that marker out there they're trying to drive straight it was it was just different uh the equipment wasn't as big they couldn't get as much done Typically, they would they would get started about I don't know five in the morning, and they'd run till about ten or eleven at night. They didn't they didn't run all night like they could now, and and like I said, auto steer was a big part of that in my opinion. Well, and some of it is like you're saying equipment size too, where we can everybody's geared up to cover a crap load of acres in a hurry, you know, for that reason, you know, even in the smaller field sizes and the eastern part of the state or they're still using 24 row planters where our open field size we wouldn't even consider it you know our guys don't even like planting seven acre corner or five acre corner you know even wasting their time you know yeah. right right um no i uh uh yeah i mean you you go back to planter size i mean when i first started six and eight row equipment was it Imagine taking two days to plant a circle of corn. But that was normal. <laughs> that was normal. Now we spend you know? two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, so weather wasn't the only dynamic, okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Kevin, have we? Uh, we're, we're getting bumping close to the end of what we normally record for. Um, is there any other weather-related topics that we wish to throw at John? Um, I can't think of anything else. I mean, I think we touched on about everything that I was feeling we needed to. What about you, John Gibson? I can't think of anything. Uh, it's been very interesting uh, talking with with John about all this stuff. I mean, 
it's a whole different dynamic, like you said, from when he first started to what it is now. So I I really was waiting for him to say, um, you know, he knew when it was going to get cold when his hip started aching or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> no, actually, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's when Gibson starts calling me and talking to me. It's, it's just that pain in the backside just kind of rears, you know. It's like a <laughs> yappy chihuahua that just needs to be. Well, shaking off your pant leg, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. With that, uh, we appreciate all the listeners. Please, uh, we are now on Apple Podcasts, so please go. Uh, we are it is the Turnrow Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Uh, subscribe, give us five stars, and uh, you know, rate us five stars because that's what we deserve. The warm yep. podcast. And if you guys um, got any questions or comments, uh, media at cropquest.com um is our email address uh we're on facebook instagram twitter uh just search crop quest and you'll find us there so with that i'm your host ethan with kevin john and our special guest john so thank you very much and we'll see you next time